dicks. Hey, wow. I am on a new computer because my old one it still technically runs, but it, it's, it hasn't been running good for a, a long, long time. Um, but I'm just impressed now because this one I hit record and it starts recording. It doesn't take like three seconds to start recording. Yeah. Like the, yeah. I, I don't know Did how noticeable say it dicks was. I did. At the start. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe our tracks will be immediately synced up and I won't have to keep sliding them around to keep them synced because. Like that, I, I, I think the odds that, that we timed it right is still <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty well, low. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, this computer's good enough that I sync it once and then it's good. Because... Oh, you don't have part lost of, time. Yeah, well, yeah, because the old one would... Like, the old one, I had gotten to the point where whenever we recorded, I would shut off everything else on the computer except for Audacity. I was speaking to you through Discord through my phone plugged into a charger so that the computer would only have to do Audacity, and even then there would be, like, sometimes a couple milliseconds, sometimes, like, a couple full seconds that just disappeared off the recording because the program was hanging on something and wasn't recording. So, I I don't know how noticeable that was in past episodes. I tried to edit around it so it wouldn't be, but I know there were some... You know, just like small bits or saying, oh, I know I said a thing there, but it's not there anymore because it's lost forever. So I got, just got to, you know, it, it just seems like I end my sentences more abruptly than usual because part of the sentence is missing. What a shame. We, we need the <laughs> release the jade cut. Well, you would have to go talk to whatever deity is in charge of time to get them to go back in time and find that thing that wasn't recorded and recorded again. Right. Let's pick our favorite god of time. Um, uh, okay, so there's Kronos. Yeah. What other ones are there? Um, uh... <laughs> Mm-hmm. How how many of them have you killed in a JRPG? <laughs> oh, of time, not I. I don't play JRPGs. I mean, I guess there was there was Chronica and Mortal Kombat was yeah. a god of time. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I mean, I guess like fighting something with time powers in a JRPG is kind of weird because mm. it's turn based. Yeah. You're already a god of time. Yeah. I don't remember. The Prince of Persia games must have had a god of time. All I remember was the Dahaka, which is the monster that they sent to come kill the prince in the second game because he fucked up time so much in the first one. Yeah, like, usually, if there's, like, a time-related story, it's because somebody built a time machine. Mm. It's, It's usually not, like, magic time powers. And if it is, it's just like, oh, I have a spell. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Majora's Mask didn't... I guess the... I think one of the fairies mentioned a goddess of time, but she doesn't show up. She's obviously dead. Mm. Eh, she just doesn't care. She remains dead. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we killed her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in uh, God of War 2, you, you do kill the Fates, who, I mean, are kind of like... Mm-hmm. Uh, which it's not exactly like being a goddess of time, I guess. I guess it it's like forward. Basically, it's is. Like, yeah, it's like future time, not past time. 
Well, like that when after you kill them, you go back and like you use like one of their mirror fady things to go back in time. To, um, okay, so let me just summarize the entirety of God of War two. Okay, um, so at, he he kills a bunch of gods and bangs a bunch of women off screen. He actually doesn't kill a bunch of gods. Not yet. That's the third one. Oh. Um, and okay. no, God but of War 2 is the only... does have the off-screen sex scenes where, a, like, a pod is rattling around or whatever. <laughs> I, I assume. That, well, God of War 2 is actually the only one in the, in the uh, original trilogy without a sex minigame. Okay. Um, it does have more violence. original God of War. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. Between, <laughs> between the three Fate Sisters at the end, there's about 80, tw- 80 t- uh, titties out between <laughs> the three of them, so mm. maybe not. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so at, at the end of God of War 1, Kratos becomes God of War, and at the start of God of War 2, he's, he's basically just like, hey, Sparta's attacking Rhodes. I'm going to go down there and wreck some shit with my god powers so then he does that um and you have an awesome boss fight against the colossus of Rhodes, which if you don't know is one of the seven ancient wonders like seven wonders of the ancient world or however that's um mm. is there anything noteworthy have, about its shadow um no okay why well, is there a reference i'm missing it, uh, the, the shadow of the colossus <laughs> Jade, I, lo- I love doing this show with you. <laughs> I really had to struggle for that one. <laughs> I, I feel like I should have been able to put that together. Mm. <laughs> I, I wish I would have asked what with the shadow of the Colossus, and then I would have gotten <laughs> and it. And then remembered you. <laughs> So, so what are we like some sort of shadow the colossus? Um Oh yeah, so, so yeah, so Kratos killed, is just, a, killed a big thing. Yeah. Kratos is just wrecking up roads and uh Zeus comes down and like you're not supposed to do this. Um So Zeus takes the, the big sword that Kratos just put all his god powers in to fight the Colossus. And he stabs Kratos in the chest. Um, and Kratos dies. And then he goes to the underworld. But he crawls out. So he's all good. And then he has a wild adventure fighting all kinds of Greek heroes and monsters and shit. Um, and he makes it to the Fate Sisters to change his fate. Um, and so there's... Like, three boss fights against the three Sisters of Fate. Um, I think he impales two of them. Um, and the third one is just this gross monstrosity that's, like, really fat with 50 feet tall with, like, 80 titties. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 80 titties and 80 arms. Mm. Um, I think she gets impaled, too. <laughs> So then he goes back in time to before he gets killed by Zeus and is like, no, you're the one who's going to die. Except, I mean, I don't think he has a, like a 
a dumb Hollywood movie quip, but um, so yeah, he fights Zeus. He goes to kill Zeus, but he accidentally kills Athena, who's like the only god of Olympus who he actually cares about anymore. Mm. Um, because he's Greek and, then, and it's a Greek tragedy. He, he basically, yeah. Uh, Although it seems like it'd be I mean, even more of a Greek tragedy if he went back in time to avert his fate only to cause it to happen again. Well, kinda. At the at the end of the third game, he, he basically kills himself because of things that happened in the first two games. So, um, and, um, and then he comes back and has a son. Or a boy. Yeah, he got better. Yeah. He got yeah. better, he moved north, he got a boy, and yeah. it's dad and boy doing stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's a he's a Greek god in Norse mythology with, like, a Celtic god head tied to his belt. So there. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember how we got on that topic. So we have other um, topics. We have time. new movies and stuff. We have no time mm. to talk about it. That's yeah, why. Yeah. yeah, no, we have to the talk t- about the Oscar-nominated Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. It unfortunately didn't win, but it was nominated, so that's cool. What did win, animated? Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Haven't seen it, so I won't say shit. Yeah, I mean, I've heard good things... I'm not surprised that it won. It seems like, you know, the kind of... it It's animated, but it's artsy, f- and it's from a, you know, a famous director. So it makes sense that that one would win over yeah. Puss in Boots or Turning Red or whatever else was in the category. Yeah, it was made by a former um, Best Picture winner. Yeah. So you know why it won. Yeah. Like... Not saying that it it's didn't got have the, the quality clout to that win. that they would feel comfortable to vote for it. I don't. Maybe it did right. deserve it. I don't know, but yeah, I'm not mad that it won. I mean, I I really, really like Puss in Boots. It doesn't feel like the kind of thing they would give an Oscar to. Um, it's just a really fun movie that is well, it's, better than your average DreamWorks movie. It's it's better than most of the Disney movies that they've given the Oscar to in the past ten years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing that makes it feel like not an Oscar movie is that it's fun. Um, you know, it, like even like the the well, one that, that swept the Oscars was Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is also which is fun. It's fun, but it's also deep. I mean, I I don't know actually because it's like put like Puss in Boots has its moments, but it feel overall it just feels just fun and silly with a few heartfelt moments, but they're not like the depth of Everything Everywhere's, uh, when that one gets heartfelt, feels like that one goes a bit deeper than, uh, than Puss in Boots, as much as I did like Puss in Boots. It goes deeper, but I think, like, for a DreamWorks movie, Puss in Boots does, yeah, like, have a lot of character depth. Yeah, for, for DreamWorks or animated movies, it, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. I think that the only the only one that matches it is actually like Kung Fu Panda, which is weird to say. Yeah, it it's on the level of like a Kung Fu Panda or 
the How to Train Your Dragons or um, yeah. like Shrek Two was pretty good. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah, it it just it 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 works in a way that a lot of times Prince of Egypt half-assed it. Yeah, which is is very old now, but yeah, it, it's a DreamWorks movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was before they started getting into the CG. Hopped on that Pixar yeah. train and never got off. God, that was it's such a beautiful movie. I wish I wish 2D western animation never fucking died. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Um Yeah, I mean, it, well, it kind of feels like thanks to Spider-Verse we're getting to like a hybrid territory now of Yeah. They're still doing CG, but they'll, you know, overlay it with 2d to sharpen it up and make it more expressive it doesn't just feel like you know computer lumps talking to each other right it's not just a basic model with moving lips yeah (laughs) anymore Um, yeah yeah like they can draw the expressions and stuff and and in puss in boots in particular they kind of cop uh spider versus you know slowed down motion for the action scenes um, yeah, to just make them a little more stylistic and dynamic. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, they, like it was because great. It, it, like you know when Puss in Boots is like running on the, the rooftops to go stab that the, giant rock monster guy. The, was... the fucking Attack on Titan scene. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That that was literally like ripped straight from the oh, first yeah, season the, of Attack on there's Titan. Huge anime influence in this. You know, like the final fight with the wolf at the end. The, oh yeah, the one-on-one showdown thing. He like creates a firewall, so it's just the two of them have to fight each other. Yeah, it, it's it's so good. <laughs> it mm. really is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, and even like you know, Puss in Boots is good. Kitty Softpaws is fun, but I like like a lot of the side characters. Like Goldilocks and her family are just like this really fun. You know, like British stereotype um, crime yeah. family. Um, that... <laughs> they're they're a crime family, but they're actually not. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're they're a family, and they're like rude, and, but in a fun way. Um, and you know, and they love each other, and that's like one of the really heartfelt things about it. Um, yeah, and, and like Jack Horner, it's it's just uh he's such a fun it, villain it, God, what, what's the actor's name it's the guy who did john, john mulaney yeah it's john mulaney doing his spider ham voice but he's just a i mean villain, that, that's, that's unrepentant just, villain that's just his voice yeah <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, he's, yeah not... he's just doing his I, mean, I only really know him for spider ham so i was just like oh yeah he, where have i heard this voice oh it's, it's spider ham and but if if you've seen a stand-up, he's he's a very like theatrical speaker. Yeah, like like very just like out, very expressive and out there. Yeah. Um, so I mean the the whole Jack Horner like the way he exaggerates like yeah. certain syllables for comedic effect is just the way he does a stand-up. Yeah, yeah, and just, and just like as a character, he's just. He's the bad guy, and he's he's just gonna be the bad guy because he just wants to have yeah. all the power, and that's all he wants. And he has all these just you know like every you know fairy tale fantasy like object weapon thing that he's just 
piled up. He shoves them all in his uh, Mary Poppins bag, and yeah, he's just like, especially like when he brings out Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> he just like, lets him keep riding around on his shoulder for a while just to see how horrible he is. He, he, here's the thing: like he knows, like he obviously knows that he's trying to reform him, and he knows it's never gonna work. Yeah. But he leaves him there just so he w- could keep trying until he realizes that he's actually just that much of an evil bastard yeah. that he can never be redeemed. You're not going to shoot a puppy, are you, Jack? Yeah, in the face. <laughs> yeah. no. No, he's a lot of fun. Perito is a lot of fun. Is you know the he, I love like Perito, just innocently naive puppy who's just optimistic about everything, even though he's clearly gone through what should have been some really traumatic shit. Like right, like he was. He's t- he's too dumb to be traumatized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't realize that his old family tried to kill him multiple times. Like, they threw me in a sock with a rock in the river. <laughs> yeah, it's a great game of hide and seek. And they haven't found me yet, so I guess yeah. I'm winning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I grew into the sock, so now I have a sweater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, like, the, the hardest I laughed at the movie was, was uh, when they were trying to give him a nickname. Mm. He's like, oh, I have lots of nicknames, like... Get away, don't come here over here, shit for brains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes he just goes into this, like, expletive-laden speeches yeah. and things that he's heard people say. Yeah, like when when the bears have kidnapped him. Yeah, and, they're, they're uh, all, like, arguing and insulting each other, and he's like, oh, it's my turn. It's like, you fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> Basically. They bleep it out, but yeah. it, it, it's the funniest shit. There's a lot shit. of bleeping out. Yeah, and it's always from him. Yeah, uh, I I love it. Yeah, uh, even like the crazy cat lady was fun. It's it yeah. just like a short side character, but yeah, it's just anytime someone knocks the door, it's like, I told you. Uh, what was it? The I can't remember. Um, um, she, yeah, she she was just, uh, what's it pickles. Though? Oh yeah, she calls him Pickles, and that was fun. She's also like every time someone knocks at the door, she thinks it's like uh, some official coming to. Like, I told you, there's no cats here. Oh, like the the county health inspector or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that that character is fun. Like, the whole thing's just fun. Um, oh, and and then the wolf. Um, we haven't gotten to the wolf yet. The, God yeah. damn! Like I went in, no, like I'd heard people say, "Oh, the wolf is death." You know, he's like the Grim Reaper, yeah. and so I'm watching. I thought it. that was just his, his name. Yeah. So <laughs> like, uh, when they introduce him, it's like, okay, well, I've been told this, but he does seem like he's a bounty hunter. Like that's how they're setting it up. But then, yeah, like halfway through the movie, they're like, no, he's literally the Grim Reaper, and he is mad. The Puss in Boots has been laughing in the face of death his entire life. So he's like, I'm just gonna hunt you down forever um you know obviously until the end when he learns some humility so that the grim reaper's saying ah it's not fun anymore to try to kill you but yeah but it is interesting you know there's like it's a movie about everybody trying to find this wishing star because they all want a wish 
and then it ends up that they all i mean i guess yeah it's a very you know kids movie way to end it where everybody realizes oh we already had what we wanted all along or we didn't need it after all so the only person still pursuing the wish is the unrepentant bad guy who you know they managed to make the wish backfire on him yeah well or you know they, uh, they tear up he, the he contract doesn't... and he collapses into a singularity right <laughs> what did i do to deserve this no I, what specifically i mean what specifically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such a funny movie mm. uh, on top of just having like genuinely good character work uh but yeah out of every like Oh, I I had what I wanted all along. Like this, this is one of the only movies that actually shows that mm. in any meaningful way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it worked best with the, like the Goldilocks and the Bears character because her thing, like the wish she wanted, and you know her family's supporting her all the way because like she's their adopted daughter, and they want her to get whatever it is she's looking for. But she says, "Oh, I can't tell you. It's birthday wish rules. If I say it, it won't work." Um, but what she wants is she doesn't feel like she actually belongs in that family, that she wants a quote-unquote real family of humans. Um, and, you know, it's like hinted at along the way when she gets the map, the map's like, hey, turn around and look, you already have a family, you don't need this wish. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of hinted at, you can figure out that that's what she's wishing for. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, in the end, she does, when her, you know, bear family's in danger, realize, actually, I do care about these people, and they are my family, and I don't need to wish for a family after all. Everything was just right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing I don't like about the bears is that they don't interact with other characters that often. Mm. Like, like, there's, there's a part with Perito, and there's the, like the few fight scenes but aside from that like they don't really get much time with anybody else yeah yeah i mean like the movie is kind of a it's a bunch of characters all racing toward this one mcguffin yeah. treasure um yeah i mean and, it, it's a it's a great race type type yeah. movie yeah um, and in the case of puss in boots he's racing toward that and also away from the grim reaper right like he, the, yeah, the whole the whole reason he wants to wish is because of the Grim Reaper. Yeah, because he wants his eight yeah, lives he, back. Yeah, he's on his last life, and you know has always been just laughing in the face of death because he knew he had extra lives, and now he doesn't. And the Grim Reaper's out to finish off his last one because he's just been you know such an arrogant little shit about it. Um, yeah, I like that you can actually see the growth uh, throughout the movie, though. That's nice. Usually, mm. it's just like there's a there's a single revelation, and then the character completely changes every everything they've done. Yeah, yeah, um, and even like throughout, there's always that struggle with the fear of like you know the death and the loss and the mistakes he's made. That you yeah, know, like he'll he'll start making progress, but then you know, like he gets trapped in the cave with all the versions of himself, and then the wolf breaks in, and the fear takes him over again and he just has to run because that fight or flight reflex yeah 
it is it is really nice like the the one time he's running away and uh perito who wants to be a therapy dog just puts his head on his uh chest and mm. lets him work it out yeah yeah i mean i know i've heard like people say that the movie's really good is like you know because it is for kid i mean it's for family for everyone but you know it is a kid's movie too um that it's a you know, a good depiction of what a panic attack looks like you know so that kids can kind of understand like oh yeah if, you know like th- this is a normal thing that happens to people that sometimes you know you just get so overwhelmed with like stress and anxiety and stuff that you you know run away and are just like breathing heavily and you know on edge and stuff yeah yeah <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of real shit in this fairy tale <laughs> um, wish movie. Yeah. I, Starring a talking cat. Yeah, what I'd heard before going in is that the wolf is the Grim Reaper, and that it's a movie about uh, Puss in Boots is on his last life, and there's, you know, some, like, actual like, tension. And so, so I think my expectation partly, I, I the, the movie was lighter than I thought it would be. Like, from what I'd heard about it, I thought, oh, this is actually going to be kind of serious, isn't it? But, yeah, no, it's, it's not It's fun. Dark. It just has, you know, some serious stuff to the characters, but not in a, yeah, not in a dark way. Yeah, like, it's it's conceptually dark. Mm. Um, but in, in execution, it's like a fun, a fun romp. Yeah. Um... Because, like, I mean, you have the embodiment of death. You have, um, yeah, you have a this business who's owner who's death. just... Right. You have this business owner who's just casually murdering his employees. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's conceptually dark, but it's just really fun when you're watching it. Mm. Um, like the, the probably the second time I laughed that loud was um when Jack and the Baker's dozen um get to the plants and one just gets eaten like like to to bones. He's yeah. just a skeleton. Yeah, like oh, holy shit! Because. <laughs> You know, like, usually in kids' movies, when um, there's a lot of death going on, it's like, oh, they're just robots or aliens or something. Yeah, or they they fall off a cliff, and then you don't see what happens after. Right. But in in this movie, it's like, the only characters who die horribly (laughs) are, like, the the most realistic-looking humans. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're just nameless minions who show you the danger by dying. Yes, by getting shot with a unicorn horn. Yeah. And that's what happens. You explode into sprinkles. And this confetti. means that in in universe, um, if you get pricked by a unicorn horn, like unicorns can just murder you at any time. Yeah, at least the baby ones can, because those are baby unicorn horns. Right. Oh, so it's like snake rules. They they just they don't know how to control it, so they just put all their magic into you. Yeah, and that's why you explode. Yeah, maybe 
I don't know. Has there been a unicorn in the other? There must have been a unicorn in the other Strike movies. There had to. I mean, I know there had to. Like Donkey got turned into a stallion, but I don't think he was a unicorn. Um, do donkeys have like the unicorn horn? I don't remember. Ah, uh, because like they're they're donkey dragons, so they might have like a horn. I I don't think, I, I don't I don't think because donkeys and dragons don't have horns, so it wouldn't dragons make have sense. horns. Well, well, well they, they've got they the double have. horns, yeah. Yeah, but they don't have. They wouldn't have a, a single unicorn. unicorn horn, yeah. Um, what about Unicron from Transformers? Um, I don't know enough about Transformers to know if uh, Unicron had a unicorn horn or not. He's he's just he's um what's he, the face? He's like a from... planet or something, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh he's like Galact. He's basically Galactus. Okay. Actually, he's exactly like Galactus, because mm. at some point, uh, we should watch the, tra- the old Transformers movie, um, but at, at some point, he kills Megatron and transforms him into Galvatron, and he's basically his herald. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he is exactly like Galactus. Like, I knew about Transformers as a kid, but I didn't actually watch any of the shows growing up, so I assume like Optimus' death wouldn't hit me at all in the movie. But yeah, I mean, I mean, like the whole reason for the movie and all the depth is just so that they they can make room for new toys. Yeah. But um, yeah, you got to kill. It's still them a really good movie. Versions of themselves, right? It's still a really good movie on itself. Mm. The, the fucking eighty, the eighty soundtrack is just on top. Mm. Um. Like at, at the end of Saints Row Four, when they play the touch, um, you got the touch, you got the power. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, that's 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 from Transformers the movie. Like originally, or was it like a radio song that they also put in there? I mean, it 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 probably was, but because I feel like um, that was in other would, movies too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a very like eighties. Like I don't know if it you was know. ever in a Back to the Future movie, but it seems like the kind of thing that would be. Um, it's Huey Lewis. Is is it is Huey Lewis who sings the touch? I I don't. Um, I, I have I to look this up now. Music stuff enough, yeah. Because Huey Lewis sings "Back in Time," which is the the song from. Okay, no, the touch is Stan Bush. Anyway, mm. uh, <laughs> it sounds like Huey Lewis. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, but yeah, but, yeah we ba- have back in time too. Ah, uh, that's fine. We've got an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> we've got an hour and a half to kill. Yeah, so the, an hour and a half. The fans will, one will be movie, satisfied. And then my ongoing Clone Wars project, which you can view over on the um, Funky Shack discord under media box threads um i watched seasons two and three and started four um i don't know that i have a lot to say that i didn't already say over there um you know it's the same old mixed feelings on stuff i had a lot to say about mortis because mortis is such a baffling set of episodes that at least it (laughs) 
It really is. It it gives me things to talk about that a lot of the other episodes don't, because a lot of the other ones are just like, yeah, that was that was another adventure you went on. Um, so there's not really much to say. It's like it, they're fine. The there was like I'm in season four now, and there's an episode of season four that is just outright filler. It's one where C3PO and R2 are sent to go deliver a message or something, and go on a bunch of misadventures like. They do the whole Lilliputian Gulliver's Travels thing where C-3PO and R2 get like tied down to the ground by a bunch of tiny people who then C-3PO accidentally steps on one after they're let go. Um, and then they travel to another planet where there's like a Wizard of Oz thing going on. There's like a bunch of people who take them to go see this giant hologram that shoots lightning bolts and it turns out it's actually a pit droid behind a curtain who's controlling the thing um and then they end up on a separatist ship in the middle of like a crossfire fight between jedi and battle droids um and then they're rescued and it's just yeah not, nothing really happened in that episode you just you had so many scripts but no you decided to produce this one to fill a slot <laughs> you decided uh, to make wizard of oz <laughs> yeah you decided to do this silly filler episode which is still kind of better than some, you know, they had this like a three-parter about, um, Mon Calamari, the, uh, or Mon Cala, I guess is the planet, um, and it having like a civil war between the Mon Calamari and the Quarren who decide to side with the Separatists, but then having, start having second thoughts because the Separatist leader for them is like a shark guy who decides he wants to let actually me, be the one in charge and that let me guess you, your thoughts is it, it's just a worse version of the micro series it, it's a worse version of the micro series and also it didn't need to be three episodes you could have had this done in one episode um yeah but i guess they just really wanted to do some electric eel torture because this show just really <laughs> really gets off on doing electric torture it happens in so many episodes of like here's a person and we we captured them and now they're in an electrical thingy and oh they're being zapped like it happens to anakin and i think padme and obi-wan and 3po and a bunch <clears throat> of jedi it, it just happens to everybody I'm wondering if this isn't just like a fetish thing, it, like I'm starting like to the wonder. many directors with foot fetishes. Yeah, it, <laughs> like it seems like it's you know the only way that they can do a torture scene in a kids show and not have it push the rating above Y seven um, or TVPG or whatever this was, um, but also it happens so often, like I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's a trend I, I'm noticing. I think that might be why the, the droid episodes exist, too, is because, like, I've heard that during production the whole time they were, like, fighting with management about, like, you have to have kid-friendly episodes in here. You can't just have everything be galactic politics and death and murder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's, there's some heavy political... There's, I don't remember how many parter episode of, like, like the return to Mandalore, I think it was in season... Because Mandalore's introduced in season two, where we meet Duchess Satine and the, you know, new pacifist regime of Mandalorians and their fight against uh, 
the underground uh, Death Watch trying to bring back the old ways of like warrior culture stuff. Um, and that's just like a string of episodes where everyone around Satine is dying uh, through political assassinations. And then in season three, we go back to Mandalore, and now they're dealing with um, like corrupt politicians. And that's a whole thing. Like, for some reason, Ahsoka is sent to teach a class of children about political philosophy. Um, and she just says a lot of kind of vague stuff about, like, you know, a politician is corrupt if they're taking money and not acting in the will of the people or whatever. And um, it's our duty as citizens to stand up to corruption. It's It's... Like, a nice message, but it's so vague in how they say it that it's like, well, you could just point this in any direction, can't you? Um, yeah. But... <laughs> we we need to say things without making a statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's like, so they have Ahsoka, still a child at this point, teaching a class of children about political corruption, and then they find out, oh, one of, you know, we, we have evidence now that um, our local chancellor whatever that guy's rank is he's involved in this like scheme and and we try to undercover you know uncover it but um now satine's been arrested because the guys you know managed to pin it on her or something and i, I don't know and i think satine also gets electrical tortured in that episode so you know add that to the bingo checklist um but yeah a drinking game out of it yeah, and then and then I think yeah there was another episode set of episodes. It was either season three or four where it's just like Padme and Bail Organa doing Senate stuff, and Bail Organa gets like shot and he's recovering, and Padme has to do the speech for him, and everybody you know had turned on Padme by that point because she's like the bleeding heart politician and they don't trust her, but all of a sudden. Uh, they suddenly trust her at the end of the episode because that's how the story has to go. Um, yeah. Their bias is suddenly overturned because she said something they agree with. Um, she made a speech, yeah. so everybody loves her, yeah. and they all clapped. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and then and then probably Pet or Palpatine. It turns out that was his plan all along was to get them to actually go along with this thing that uh, he had been speaking out against, or or something. I don't know. It's like, the the series is, like, um, trying to redeem the prequels, including the things people didn't like about the prequels. So there's a lot of Senate politics-type episodes where they're like, well, we're going to try to find a way to do this and make it interesting, and not, you know, so even when they do a politics episode, it's usually connected to, like, an assassination plot, like... We're going to have a big speech, but also the person doing the big speech is being targeted by bounty hunters. Um, so there's your exciting it's action. bounty hunters. Yeah. I don't think people know what bounty hunters actually do. I mean, they do <laughs> the, a better the, job of bounty hunting in this show than Samus does in the Metroid games. Yeah. Like, I, I think the word they're usually looking for is assassins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the bounty hunters in the show don't really hunt legal bounties. They're just hired hitmen. Yeah. 
See, like, it, it made sense um, in the original trilogy. Yeah. Because they're working for the Empire. Yeah, the, the Empire posted the, the bounty on Han Solo, and these guys are independently being, you know, taking up that contract to go hunt this guy and capture or kill, uh, you know, depending on the terms of the contract. Yeah. Yeah, but and then it just became when they went through the original trilogy, they were like, Oh, these were bounty hunters. Django Fett is a bounty hunter, even though he's not even working like within the Republic. Yeah, at all. he doesn't we don't see any of his bounty hunting in the movie. You know, they've done stories yeah. outside of the movie of him hunting bounties, but in the movie he's a warrior who was hired to be the template for an army and live on their planet for a while and then got hired to try to assassinate a senator and um then he subcontracted that to another bounty hunter and then uh yeah then he's just working for the separatists until he dies yep if he if he didn't get immediately decapitated by mace windu he would have just been killing himself Mm. (laughs) over and over yeah Wait, did he kill any clones before? Not in no the the clones didn't arrive in the arena until um, until after, after all the Jedi. Yeah, did. yeah, because all all the Jedi showed up and then the droids came out and there was the big fight and Mace killed Jango and then they ended up all okay. surrounded by droids and then Yoda came in with the clone army and okay yeah th- that's more or less how I remembered it so I, I was right the initial time good yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't watched the original trilogy that much. I don't really like it. Mm. I mean, like, like, I've, like I've said before, I like the overarching story. Um, I don't, I don't like actually watching the movies. Mm. Yeah. But, I like listening to the music. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. But yeah, so the Clone Wars is trying to, it feels like it's trying to redeem a lot of aspects of the prequels that either were salvageable or that people didn't like. So, like, the Jedi and the clones and the Separatists and the droids and stuff. Like, that was all salvageable. It just needed more development. So, they made that work. Uh, The Senate stuff, it works better than it does in the prequels. I'm still not that interested. Um, I I don't know if there's anything before Season 6, but I know there's a Season 6 episode that tries to make midichlorians not stupid. (laughs) Um... We'll see how that goes when I get back to it on the rewatch. But yeah, see the the thing you're talking about, like you can't you can't really do much political intrigue in a kid show, mm. um, and do it like the right way where it's interesting. Yeah, like they um, they just they can't get into specifics on a lot of it. It's just like a vague thing of person needs to give a speech bad people are trying to stop the person from giving the speech yeah Um, the content of the speech doesn't actually matter yeah and that's the that's part of the problem (laughs) yeah and because this is a prequel series we know that ultimately uh the empire is going to take over so it's just a process of watching people struggle to you know do something good in the world politically knowing that it's going to be subverted and turned against them by the end. Yeah. And Padme eventually dies of grief. Yeah. 
<laughs> she dies of a broken heart. Yep. Two thunderous applause. Yep. Uh, if only Natalie Portman could be in a huge franchise without dying. Mm. Um, well, I mean, like on a on a medical table, basically. Yeah, uh, uh, but maybe she doesn't want to be in a huge franchise for that long. Yeah, she doesn't need to be. Like she'd already She's... dropped out of Thor before they brought her back to kill her again, or yeah. I guess kill her for the first time because she was alive somewhere before she came back to die. I mean, she got she got the. She got the writer's axe, and then she got the actual axe. <laughs> yeah, she got to do some cool stuff in her, you know, last hurrah. Yeah. She got to have cancer, and then <laughs> for, for one scene. <laughs> well, I mean, she gets to have an action figure now in a superhero costume. Yeah, that's cool. Like, it's still, like, nothing she's ever done has been as cool as the Lonely Island um, song she did. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, go watch it. It's pretty funny. Mm. <laughs> Everybody, go watch it. That's the out of everything we talk about today. <laughs> if you watch one thing, mm. make it the Lonely Island Natalie Portman. Um, yeah, I mean, while video. my new computer can probably handle playing a YouTube video and recording and and everything, it, it's still kind of a distraction. So. I'm watching Dragon Ball Superhero on, because I'm, I'm I'm not gonna call it Dragon Ball Super Superhero, even though I mean, that's the title. Dragon Ball that's Super Colon shit, Superhero. But, yeah, I've been watching that just muted. Okay. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Um, I guess we should talk about that next because that's the yeah. other new movie. That yeah, I mean, fin- finish finish any thoughts movie. you had. Yeah. Nah, I mean, yeah, Clone Wars, it, it just, it, you know, you can check the thread and see my incoherent ramblings um, that I think Heavy Man just joined, so there's actually somebody commenting off of some of it that occasionally, Yay. But, um, but yeah, it's mostly just, I watch yeah. episodes and react to them, mostly in the pedantic way where you're just pointing out plot holes or things that are weird. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of the time it's just eh, like this doesn't excite me that much, but it's also there's not much to say aside from nitpicking it. Aside, I mean, like Mortis was some deep nitpicks, but there's things to say about because Mortis is just fundamentally weird. That it's like, why would you make like okay? First off, what what actually is even happening in these episodes? Because the whole thing reads like a giant metaphor, but it might be like a thing happening in another dimension outside of time or something. And and then if it is a giant metaphor, yeah. why is apparently the Force being depicted as masculine and feminine? Um, like that. That's part that just feels weird to me it's like the light side is a woman and the dark yeah. side is a man and i don't know gendering the force feels weird um <laughs> and then and then yeah it's like it's, there's our title it's a, a woman and a light woman and a dark man and their old father who is somehow keeping them in balance and who knows how long they've been in this place 
because they seem like forces of nature, but also they say that they came here in that the the father brought them here to try to contain them because they were all too powerful. You know, they, they were like too much for the galaxy to handle, so they all locked themselves away in this giant D eight that's been floating in space, and. Um, <laughs> And it's like outside of the normal flow of time because when everyone gets out, they find that no time has passed. Um, and it, it, in a lot of ways, it feels like a Star Trek episode because it's like they get a weird distress call, they fly out to see what's going on with it. They get the important characters get in a shuttle to go fly to the planet, and then they get pulled into another dimension and spend an hour and a half um, in there as these weird metaphysical, maybe metaphorical things are happening. Um, where it's like, like the whole thing I get, I, and I, part of it is, you know, since I saw it on TV, they, you know, promoted the episode as being like, this is what the prophecy of the chosen one was about all along. Um, what? <laughs> yeah. That, it's like, cause the father is like, you are the chosen one because I need you to take my place and keep my light and dark children in balance. Uh, and Anakin's like, no, I got shit to do. I don't want to stay here forever. Um, and then the balance gets thrown off when the dark side one is like, well, I want you know Anakin on my side, so I'm going to mind control Ahsoka and use her to try to sway him to my side. And then the light one's like, I'm going to take Obi-Wan to this cave where there's a super dagger that none of us are allowed to touch. But he's an outsider, so he can go touch it. So he gets the super dagger. Um, but then Ahsoka steals the super dagger, and then the son is like, well, it's outside of the cave, so I guess I can touch it now. So I'm going to use it to kill my sister. And, well, actually, no. He tries to kill his dad, and the sister gets in the way, and he accidentally kills his sister, and then he's sad about it. Because even though he's the dark guy who's like, opposite of the light girl um he cared about her because their family or something is saying you were the only one who ever understood me and now i'm holy burying shit you. this is this this is it's literally just the end of god of war 2 okay <laughs> Be- so they ripped up the, the re- god of- the revelation is that um zeus <laughs> zeus is kratos's father which would make athena his sister okay um so yeah the the dark evil guy kills the 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 good light woman. Yeah. Um, who is his sister? Who jumps in the way of him trying to kill the father? Exactly. Yeah. With with the mystical blade. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what happens in the second episode, and then in the third episode, Anakin goes to confront the dark guy and gets his mind all twisted and sees visions of himself becoming Darth Vader in the future. Um, but then after he gets out, the father's like, uh, well, my, my son has broken the laws of time, is I think literally what he says. And so then he mind wipes Anakin so Anakin doesn't remember what he saw. But he didn't mind wipe oh anyone God. else, so I guess Obi-Wan and Ahsoka maybe remember that weird time they went into the D8 floating in space and saw the embodiments of the Force or something. Um... And then, but then, yeah. So then, the the father is like, "Well, everything's fucked because my daughter's dead, and the planet's all turning dark now because my son's in control of it or something." So I'm gonna stab myself with this dagger because if I die, then he dies too. And so the father stabs himself with the super dagger, and then the son dies from that, and they both die. 
and everyone's dead but as he's dying this... he's like you are the chosen one you've brought balance to this place and you need to bring balance to the force but watch out because your heart is wavering and i don't uh... trust and it's like okay so you brought balance to mortis by killing everyone on mortis so and yeah, and that... you're hoping he will do this to the gal uh, you're hoping anakin's like i'm gonna bring balance to the galaxy by murdering everyone and now it's yeah, all this fixed. is it, it's it's like one of those stories where it's like, oh, I'm gonna save the planet by killing all the humans. Yeah, yeah that they're turning him into poison ivy. <laughs> right. His, yeah, I, I it's like in the story, it's just it, a lot of you know mm -hmm. the father and the son and the daughter talk in these broad, vague philosophical terms because the story is yeah. trying to be deeper than it. It is. It's trying to be Shakespeare, yeah. is what it's trying to yeah, be. Yeah, they're, they're trying to do something smart and heady, and people look at it and say, oh yeah, isn't this so deep? And it, it isn't. It, it's just a bunch of cliches all stacked on top of each other, trying to give a more concrete look. Like, it's worse than midichlorians, really. Because midichlorians, <laughs> at least, are just like a biological component to how people are able to touch the Force which is, you know, an energy field that is everywhere that also has some kind of a will behind it because, who knows, it's weird space energy. Um, and the midichlorians are just the biological component of that. But these, whatever these mortis... I mean, the mortis things, at best, are just a trio of weirdos who were super powerful and locked themselves in this place. <laughs> um, and at worst, they are the manifestations of the cosmic balance of the force which is an energy field that has a will or something and it's just it, it, it's making it too concrete like, like midichlorians kind of make the force more concrete than it should be but mortis just like drives that car right off the cliff of like how concrete can we make the force what if we actually depicted it as people and we had this son and a daughter, yeah. and the daughter's like, I am always selfless, and my brother is always selfish. I am all the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's dumb, and I don't know who thought it would work, and also it's canon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, it's one of the things that I will point to when people talk about how dumb the Expanded Universe was and how good it is that Disney rebooted it. And it's like, well, they didn't reboot that. They didn't reboot that, and they didn't reboot the episode in Season 6 that I haven't gotten to yet, where Yoda travels to the planet where all the midichlorians come from. <laughs> and when he goes there, he finds these spirits of the Force that wear, like, dramatists masks. You know, one is like an always smiling mask. One's like an always frowning mask. Which one is always frowning? Is it the dark side? No, they're they're just like four spirits. Because before he goes there, yeah, he know. goes to Moraband, which is the new name for Koraband, because they decided to rename it, even though they own the copyright it's, to the old version. Um, it's got to sound more evil. Yeah. They got to make <laughs> so, it sound more like so Mordor. No. So we're gonna call it Moraband. And yeah, he, it's more abundant. Yeah, he goes there and sees a bunch of Sith ghosts, but then I think the Force spirits are like, actually, those weren't Sith ghosts. That was just us pretending to be Sith ghosts because Sith don't have ghosts because we retcon that Sith can't have ghosts anymore. Oh, thanks, Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. I don't care if he redeems himself. Anakin died a Sith. Mm. <laughs> he was still Darth Vader. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he killed the Emperor. He was trying to do that all along. He cared about his son. Which isn't incompatible yeah. with everything else he's done. Which is which is selfish, which is <laughs> part of the dark yeah. side. I mean, he cared about his son in the Empire when he's like, Hey son, let's team up and kill the Emperor and then we can roll together. Yeah. Yeah. See, it, it's, it's, it's so weird just because, like, every... Every depiction of Darth Vader that people add, like, between the the trilogies is like, alright, I want to find somebody to help me kill the Emperor. Mm. <laughs> like, like I mean, people never portray him as, like, wholly loyal to the, to the Emperor. Yeah, and that fits with just Sith philosophy, that they're all backstabbing. Like, they all yeah. want to be on top of the power chain. And if you're underneath someone, that's just a temporary thing until you find a way to overthrow them. Yeah. But then... Like, even with the, like the, when he, the Darth Bane books, when he's setting up that whole rule of two system, he knows, like, yeah, this is this is a feature, not a bug, that um, the apprentice will want to usurp the master. Like, it, it's a thing that keeps them both on their toes. That, you know, the master can't afford to slip up. You know, they have to keep the apprentice, you know, you know, willing to, you know, like, keep dangling secrets in front of them so that they don't kill them. Um, but also that eventually, yeah, a day is going to come when your body fails and um, your apprentice needs to take over and they need to be ready for that. And um, so what, what if they're evenly matched and they mortally wound each other? Yeah, well, yeah, because as, as the books, when it gets to the third book... That's when the flaws start coming through in the system, where he realizes, like, oh, I don't think my apprentice is ever going to usurp me, and I can't really afford to start over now. I'm just going to find a way to try to live forever, or... He's too loyal. <laughs> or take control of her body so that um, I can just, you know, keep, like, mind transferring into my future apprentices. Um, and he fails in that, but, yeah, he, he starts doubting his own system by the, the third book. Like realizing, like, oh, there's a lot of ways this could go wrong. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: when when you rely on one of two people doing something, um, like forever, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it's uh, this is why monarchy doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> this is why World War One happened. Yeah. Yeah, and even like as early, you know, he took on one apprentice because he had this whole idea of like, it's just going to be two people because we need to contain the power. We can't spread it out too much and risk having a bunch of people all grouped together and they're all weaker than the one they're overthrowing, but together they are stronger. Like, no, we can't have that. We need to have just one and one. But then his apprentice starts taking on apprentices and that's, you know, like by the time it gets around to Palpatine, he had like three or four you know he had maul and dooku and anakin was you know the one he really wanted once he found out anakin was around you know he's just like cycling through apprentices because nobody took that yeah. rule of two seriously and it didn't work anyway it had you know major flaws but yeah i mean 
During Clone Wars, there's like what five Sith just running around, mm. like five named Sith. Yeah, yeah, because there's Dooku, who sometime off screen took on Ventress as an apprentice because they decanonized the micro series. Um, so she's just there, but she was an apprentice. Grievous was kind of an apprentice, uh, not I exactly because him. he's he's more of a Jedi hunter. He he didn't actually want to train in the yeah. Force. Um, but he, he took on Ventress as an apprentice, <laughs> and then there's an episode in late season three where Palpatine's like, hey, your apprentice Ventress is getting too strong, you need to dispose of her now. And Dooku's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. Um, and then she proceeds to lose a fight against Anakin and Obi-Wan, and then Dooku's like, well, I gotta get rid of you now, so I'm leaving you for dead. And then that's when she goes back to the Night Sisters and gets them to make... Savage Opress, the buff Darth Maul, to go pretend to be an apprentice to Dooku, only to turn on him. Voiced by Mr. Krabs himself. Mm. But not in his Mr. Krabs voice. Brown? No, it's his Kurgan voice, yeah. which is every other voice he does. Yeah. I, I just, I love having Clancy Brown in anything because I get to call him Mr. Krabs. Mm. Even though he most mostly voiced like big buff dudes, mm. because he has that deep voice. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Krabs is you know, uh, I, I guess he's large. a salty sailor, yeah. large-ish, yeah, relative can... to the people in the, the SpongeBob universe. Yeah, he's a sailor, and he has a hard show, and he likes to fight, mm. but he likes money more. Yeah, so that's that's the one character trait he's kept over the past twenty. Almost twenty five years. Mm. Do you feel old yet? We're looking at Sponge yes. I I remember watching the SpongeBob premiere with my sisters and cousins. Mm. Um like I remember the moment. <laughs> so should we talk about I, I I do. Dragon Ball Super? Superhero? Yes. Colon superhero. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Underscore superhero. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was Which, fun. Um, I I liked Broly, and I, I was gonna say the series. I don't know with with the Dragon Ball Super series. I really liked the Tournament of Power arc, and the rest of it is okay. I mean, the, the parts that are just adapting movies, eh. and even like the Zamasu yeah. arc is a little too dark. But I don't know. I like the Tournament of Power a lot. I like the Broly movie a lot. Um, superhero, it's fun. It, it's more focused on a lot of, you know, like Piccolo and Gohan and Red Ribbon and like a lot of aspects of Which... previous Dragon Balls that Super hasn't really done much with. Yeah. See, I... I like that. I like when Dragon Ball cannot focus on Goku for about 15 goddamn minutes. Yeah, it's like they had one um, mandated scene of, like, what are Goku and Vegeta doing this whole time? Let's have a quick yeah. fight scene of them training. Yeah, which, which is also pretty fun. Mm. Um, well, Beerus is horny for Chi-Li for some reason. Yeah. I think the author is she just is really horny. Cute. Yeah, like, she's she's a cute design, but you know, even like her TCG card is like she lied the beautiful. So I think the author is just really um, horny for her. Yeah. 
I mean, probably. Yeah. Like, I don't... She's not, like... <laughs> she, she's she's cute. She's not, like, femme fatale. Like... Yeah. Uh, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially Beerus, who, like... I, I guess just doesn't like humans because they had, like, ten women mm. <laughs> um, on Earth, like, at the Earth feast that they threw for him in Battle of Gods. Yeah. And I mean, if he doesn't like 18, like, he's not gonna like any human woman, right? Yeah. Technically human. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, how, whatever, because an- androids aren't robots, but they're not not robots, so whatever an android they're is. They're cyborgs. Yeah. They're cyborgs. They... The... <laughs> okay, so... 19 and 20 Jero and the mime mm. they're they're androids like they're almost entirely robotic yeah um 16 17 and 18 are cyborgs they're well 16 is an android 17 and 18 are cyborgs mm. they're they're just people with robot parts that make them super powered yeah but they don't call them cyborgs because they already started calling them androids <laughs> Yeah, so. they're part of the line, you know, the legacy from what was it like? Android Eight was the one in the original Dragon Ball, the one that's just yeah, Frankenstein's Aider. monster. Yeah, and then like what twelve and thirteen were in the movies. Yep. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Yeah. Right, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. I think were in the movies. Yeah, but was and that then... the one that had Android thirteen with a trucker hat? Yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> Super Super Android 13, yeah. yeah. Maybe the funniest the funniest movie. Mm. Um By the way, I don't know if you I mean, you haven't. You haven't seen the actual dub of that movie, right? Um I've um, I've seen I assume it was the Funimation dub. Okay. Yeah, like I've seen all all the Funimation uh, dubs of the original well the, the z movies i haven't seen any like dragon right. ball original movies I, I think dragon ball only has like two movies mm. i think i've seen a collection um, of them but i didn't pick it up yeah i've only seen the first two seasons of that show anyway i love dragon ball i wish i had time to go back and watch dragon ball mm. But, yeah, like, Super does have some callbacks to, you know, it starts off with, uh, you know, explaining what Reb Ribbon was in original Dragon Ball. And has some yeah. callbacks to Piccolo and stuff he did in original Dragon Ball. Yeah, like, so the, in, in, in Superhero, like, they, they mention that Magenta is, like, the, the son of former Red Ribbon uh, people. Yeah. But the reason he's called Magenta is because there there are like agents in Red Ribbon that are usually named after colors. Yeah. Um, and there was one that was named Red and one that was named Violet. <laughs> so so they fucked. Okay. So yeah, they 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 canonically fucked. Yeah, and they just merged their color names for their son's name. Yep. Just like um. So I, I know you noticed at the beginning when Android uh. 
21 mm. was there and he was apparently married to Dr. or she was apparently married to Dr. Jerome. Yeah, like that was the thing um, I think in I mean she's from Fighters Z. Um and yeah. and you just call it Fighters. Yeah, yeah, she's from Fighters <laughs> um and I think in in the like one of the cutscenes or something it's mentioned that the original scientist which I don't know if she's a cyborg version of that or if she's just like a full remake uh, as an android, but that scientist I don't remember. was married to Jero and 16 was their son. Yeah. And I guess and the, I, I think through six... another family line uh, is the kind of antagonist, not, I guess, kind of secondary antagonist, but he's not really a bad guy, uh, Dr. Hito. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, Magenta is, like, the main villain. He's the new Red Ribbon corporate bastard trying to... I guess, He's kind of like a Lex Luthor in that he's like, well, yeah. these aliens are, you know, they've saved the world from threats that I don't know about. All I see is they are a threat to the world, so we need to get rid of them. Right. Um, using things that humans made, which are better because humans made them. Uh, like Cell, the thing uh, that Dr. Jarreau made before he <laughs> ran off with all his research. Um, and so, yeah, he gets Dr. Jarreau's grandson to try to make a new Cell, but Dr. Jarreau's grandson is, like, obsessed with superheroes, and he wears, like, a superhero onesie all the time. And so what yeah. he wants to do is make these two new androids that will be superheroes who personality-wise kind of feel like two of the ninja turtles it's like if leonardo and michelangelo huh. were the you know on their own and had superhero powers you know could fly around and shoot lasers and stuff and had their color swap yeah yeah because the blue one is like the goofy comical one and the red one is like the serious yeah. hero type one yeah gamma 2 is like a combination between Raphael and Michelangelo. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, because he's very cocky. Yeah. But also just wants to have fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I love the intro. The um I love Dr. Hedo's intro mm. <laughs> when he's getting out of prison. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he just take they're, they're like yelling at him as he gets out of prison and he just he just very calmly opens his bag takes out a grenade throws it back in and walks away mm. yeah and spends the rest <laughs> of the movie the, the eating inmates. oreo cookies yes just no, an endless supply of oreo cookies they're no they're the original the, the hydrox yeah the hydrox they're, they're not Oreos. Yeah, the, you can't the say The non-branded that. Oreo cookies. They never mention them yes, by name, they're... but they are very specifically chocolate with the white filling. Um, yes, cookies, sandwich. They're, cookies. they're Oreos. <laughs> yep the the Red Ribbon um, Army has developed a device that can just keep producing more of these cookies. Uh, apparently, yeah. Also, the Red they just Ribbon buy them by. The, the palette yeah like red ribbon was disbanded but has be, like they have a front they've come, they've come back twice they now. have the most obvious 
Public Front, which is yeah. the red pharmaceutical company, which is just a red ribbon logo with different letters inside of it. Yeah, it's just the the red ribbon background. Yeah, it, it, and instead of having RR on it, it's RPC. It's uh, yeah, yeah, the red pharmacos pharmaceutical. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, they just have. I mean, and it, you know, it's Dragon Ball. It's dumb, but that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah they, they just have. Yeah, the, the bad guys have the most obvious front, and secretly have a lab where they're producing a new version of Cell to defend the world against these alien Saiyans that just keep flying around, blowing stuff up all the time. Um, yeah, and it's all hidden under a hologram. But then, uh, you know, they're. I can't remember what the inciting incident was. Was it, was it just that Gamma 2 found Piccolo and is like, hey, I found one of the aliens. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Well, so they. Uh, Magenta feeds Hedo this whole uh, conspiracy by, like, oh, Capsule Corp, which is the company that Bulma runs. Mm. Um, oh, Capsule Corp is actually filled with aliens and they want to slowly take over the world. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, the um, Gamma to hunts down Piccolo because, like, they know he's evil. He's he was Demon King Piccolo in Dragon Ball, yeah. Which is a nice touch because nobody ever brings that up, even though Piccolo just flies around everywhere, mm. um, and nobody ever <laughs> notices apparently. Yeah, he also he, mentions that he, he tries didn't to get, get his driver's, driver's license. license. Yeah, at one point. Yeah, I d- I didn't see that episode because Kai cuts out the filler episodes. So yeah, that was some of the good filler. Yeah. That was like maybe the actually funniest thing in Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't believe they actually referenced that. <laughs> yeah, and because of the way they're <laughs> when, doing when the movies now, the these ship. movies are canon. I mean, for for whatever that yeah. matters. I. This is maybe the funniest Dragon Ball has ever been. <laughs> like this one movie. Um, there's a there's a lot of gags that actually work. Hmm. I don't know, maybe because it's three D animated, they can. I don't know. Yeah, like I w- I was worried about the three D animation because the trailers didn't really impress me, but actually watching it, it. It works because yeah. you can tell, like, they blend 2D where it's needed. So the, there's, like, parts, especially, like, with, like Orange Piccolo, um, where you can t- see the line around, like, his clavicle, where, like, the his neck and head are 2D animated while the body is 3D animated. Yeah. It, it really works. It reminds me of the uh, JoJo openings, where they're 3D animated, but they're very heavily cel-shaded. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it doesn't clash with the 2D that they're also doing. Yeah. they. It, it just works in the art style. Yeah, um, yeah like I kind of wonder when they get back to adapting the rest of Super, if they're going to use this style, or if they're going to go back to you know just regular 2D. I assume it's gonna go 2D. Like, I don't know which um, is more like cheaper and efficient for them to do. I I think just because it's, I mean, it's gonna be Toei. 
Um, like they're kind of set in their ways. Like I'm surprised they even. I'm surprised they even made the whole movie, um, mm. <laughs> like this one 3D. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're going back to um, 2D for the show because I, I think they already like confirmed that they're making more super. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like the um, the manga's had at least two more major arcs since the the last season's wrapped. Was Orange Piccolo in it? Not yet. Because um, let's see, after. Tournament of Power, there's the Moro uh, saga, and then there's the Granola stuff, which hasn't all come out in English yet, so I haven't read all of it, but I know from, like, people talking online, that has wrapped up, and it ends with Black Frieza, the new Frieza form. And after that, they're doing um, an adaptation of Superhero. So, uh... Okay. And, like, the Broly movie also, like, it gets, like, a one-page mention in the manga. There's, like, and then this thing happened, um, which you can go watch, or I mean, they might have done, like, a side manga talking about it, but, like, that's in the timeline between Tournament of Power and the Moro arc. Hmm. And, yeah, and, like, and timeline-wise, I'm not I, sure how that'll work, but most of the Moro stuff and the Granola stuff happened out in space. So it doesn't really clash with superhero doing stuff yeah. on Earth with yeah, Gohan. Broly and needs to Broly needs to happen before the tournament of power or so they can justify not using Ultra Instinct. Well, I mean you know, to, Broly happens after Tournament of Power because Frieza's been brought back wait, to life. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Fre- Frieza's wait, brought back so, fully back to life uh, at the end yeah, of the I tournament. Got it. I got it backwards. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So wait, how do they justify Goku not going Ultra Instinct? Is is it just <laughs> he, that he can't control it yet? Probably. I figured. I mean, yeah. Like during the Moro arc, he does some training with Whis and finds out more about like how to control the Ultra Instinct because it's an angel power. Yeah. Even though, like, they're they're god, they're literally gods at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, because uh, Goku's been learning to control Ultra Instinct, which is an angel power, and Vegeta finds out from Beerus about Ultra Ego, which is like the God of Destruction counterpart to it. I hope they actually have different powers yeah. at some point. Yeah, no, because that seems Cause, like... Because, I mean, Gohan does. Yeah, like, Vegeta has been chasing Goku, trying to be equal or better than him forever, and then there's a point in that arc where he finds like hey i can be strong in a different way you know i can do something kakarot's not doing even if i can't do everything kakarot is doing yeah because i mean like every like vegeta has literally been behind every step of the way yeah (laughs) he's like super saiyan oh he got that after super saiyan 2 he got that after super saiyan 3 he never got he had to go magic evil Uh, yeah to, yeah, to match that. and I think, you know, like, um, like Ultra Instinct is kind of like a Zen style of, like, you let your mind go blank and you can react to everything at instant yeah. speed. Ultra Ego is more of, like, a brawler kind of ability. You know, it fits better yeah. with, like, Vegeta being, a, you know, more aggressive and arrogant kind of uh, fighter. 
Yeah, the the idea is that Goku's just a, a fighting savant, so he can like blank out his mind to everything but the fight. So yeah. he he becomes the perfect fighter. Yeah. Um. And Vegeta will apparently be the opposite of that. Yeah, he, just, the, he will be like, the kind of fighter who's like, I refuse to lose because I'm so fucking stubborn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's too angry to die. <laughs> Well, that ship has sailed a few times. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody dies and then undies. It's Dragon Ball. I, I don't, I don't think Bulma has ever died. Mm. She might be the only character that's never died. Mm. Because, like, even like, I guess that's how cause... she ages enough that she needs a dragon to <laughs> remove her wrinkles. Yeah, I and guess so. lengthen her eyelashes. Because, like, when. When Boo killed everybody on Earth, she was still in the in the tower. Yeah, like um, she lived through the Namek stuff and the Cell stuff. Yeah, and she she lived through Boo because she was still in the tower. She lived through the Frieza resurrection because she was in the in the bubble. Mm. Um, yeah, so when she the wasn't Earth there exploded. for that momentary. Everything died before we dialed back time 10 seconds. Yeah. So I think Boma might be the only human <laughs> who's never died. Mm. Or, yeah. Unless there was somebody else who was also there who hasn't died in battle. I don't know. No, I mean, because I don't think anybody else really got to travel on those other... Especially if we're counting that moment where the Earth blew up and then came back. There yeah, weren't a lot of I people do. who were there for that moment yeah like i don't think chi chi was there so she probably died yeah yeah bomb was the only human who has never died yeah yeah only awesome. human possibly only character unless we're counting like beerus and weiss uh they don't count they've come too late yeah like yeah, i'd say in dragon ball z characters are too big for it even though a lot of them died in the tournament of power they don't technically die though they well yeah they do wiped from everybody except for universe 7 got wiped from existence by the end yeah. of the tournament that's right that counts uh, anyway beerus and we slipped because they're universe <laughs> lived. Uh, we, yeah we, superhero we, we got off on such a tangent yeah it's um, still on the same general topic um, yeah but yeah, so superhero, yeah. So there's, um... yeah. I so Piccolo gets wind of the whole red ribbon operation. Yeah, and he goes undercover. Yeah, he, he dresses up as a very tall guard. Yeah, so he he steals a guard's uniform and he in, he infiltrates the um like the meeting room where all the the big red red ribbon guys are. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about their plans. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Uh, Hito eats more Hydrox cookies. Yeah. Um, and is that when they decide, like, okay, so our next target is Gohan, and we need to go kidnap yeah. his daughter to yeah, they, lure they, him out? They, they talk about, like, all the chain of command of the, the Capsule Corp um, criminal organi- organization. 
Yeah. Um, and and I like, think that's when they well, mentioned, like, we're also working on Cell Max, and Hito's like, yeah, yeah it, it's happening, but I don't really care that much, so I'm not putting a lot of effort into that one. Right. He, he's only he's only building Cell Max because he's getting paid. Yeah. And, like, what he really wants to build is the, the Gamma superhero robots. Yeah. Yeah, that he's um, even, like, not fond of... Ha- like, he can tell Red Ribbon is a criminal organization... With a bunch of just thugs working for them, but yeah, um, you know, he just like kind of turns a blind eye to that because they are paying him to build his superheroes, right? Um, yeah, they're they're like Goku and Vegeta are the biggest hitters, but there's also like Piccolo who they think is dead because they think Gamma killed him. Yeah, and there's Gohan, the one who killed the previous Cell, right? They know about so they. Yeah, so they decide to go after Gohan. And they're like, well, if he killed Cell, he's probably pretty powerful. So we should lead him here where we can fight him on our terms. So they're yeah, like, and they don't Let's want to fight this out kid. in the streets anyway because ostensibly they're trying to protect humanity. Right. So they're like, let's kidnap his kid. <laughs> yeah. And he <laughs> which, was like, well, which, that sounds like a bad guy thing to do, but I guess we'll have to because yeah. the threat is so big. I I love that they go there too because Gohan's whole thing is that when he gets mad he gets super powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like Piccolo's the, kind of encouraging it after yeah. finding out. It's like, well, I, I know yeah. Pan, she'll be fine. If I yeah. pretend she's in danger then Gohan can yeah. kick all these guys' asses. I, I love the beginning when Piccolo's training Pan um, mm. too. It's very cute. Because he, he like throws her into a rock and then he's like, Yeah, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> which is different which is different from Gohan where, where he's like, I'm gonna beat you within an inch of your life every day. <laughs> yeah, no, Piccolo's gotten nicer after fusing with two nicer Namekians since yeah, he's, when he trained Gohan. He's Uncle Piccolo now, and yeah. I I love it. Um So yeah. Piccolo's like as like in disguise he's like i volunteer i know the area i know where she goes to school <laughs> and they're like wait what you know where she goes to school <laughs> and you yeah, know what she looks like how do you know like. so and much about like, these aliens uh, i'm a big fan of her of hercule <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like i know what his granddaughter looks like they're like yeah okay <laughs> i guess um so yeah he goes to kidnap a three-year-old girl. Yeah, uh, they, they send him this... as accompanying a, an officer who's sent to do it. Yeah, like a like a big a big Dolph Lundgren looking motherfucker. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and the the what one of the funniest things in the movie is uh, so like the, this big guy goes to pick up Pan. He's like, "Oh, your mom sent me to pick you up." Um. And then she's basically like, that's my purse, I don't know you. And she yeah. punches him in the gut and knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> and then Piccolo comes in. Um, and he's talking to the teacher. And she's like, oh, Piccolo, you're here to pick up Pan again? And he's like, yeah, Janet, uh, this was just a security exercise. Nothing to worry about. I think, yeah, wasn't that the... Thing, or Pan could tell it was him through the armor because she just knows his energy signature. Right, right. 
because she's she's been training with him, so she knows how to sense his energy. But I, I love that Piccolo's on a first name basis with, with a preschool teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he takes her back as a prisoner, along with the unconscious guy who wakes up and is like, "Yeah, we're just we're not going to talk about this." <laughs> yeah. We're not going to say that I got knocked out by a preschooler. <laughs> See, this is what I mean when I say this is one of the funniest Dragon Ball things ever. Uh, there's just so much good that happens in it. Uh, there, there's like a lot of little moments that are just very funny. At least to me. Mm. Sorry, I had to blow my nose. Okay. Um, yeah, so they they get back and then they're like, Okay, so we have his kid. Now we need to get Gohan and let him know. Mm. Yeah, and we'll then... <laughs> record this video of her begging for help. Yeah. And she can't have yep. any cookies because the cookies are only for the doctor. Right. Yep. Like, Piccolo's basically told her, like, okay, pretend to be kidnapped. Yeah, uh, he gives her cuffs that out she right. can break out of at any time. Yeah. Yeah, he gives her just, like, regular handcuffs, which she is a super-powered child, so they they don't matter. Um, So, yeah, him and the other guy um, go to get Gohan. Yeah, they go to Gohan's house where he's dressed up in his uh, piccolo outfit, just because he likes to wear it while he's doing office work. It's training. Yeah. It's weighted clothing. Yeah. (laughs) Which... I mean, they can destroy planets. I don't know why weighted clothing even matters. Yeah, and it was really fun. Yeah, because that moment, you know, they go up to his window and they knock on it and say, hey, we have your daughter or whatever. And they're like, one of them pulls a gun on him and say, I'll shoot. And he just flicks the gun out of his hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, can you, Gohan's like, can you guys go? I don't want to have to call the police. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a hassle. Um. Uh, and then they show him the picture of uh, of Pan kidnapped, and he, yeah, I think he just like crushes the entire parking lot. Yeah, he he he's holding onto the windowsill. He like crushes the windowsill, jumps out of the window, like throws a guy to the ground, and just starts powering up. Yeah, and then <laughs> he, just like the ground around him starts caving in as he's powering up. Yeah, he he powers up to Super Saiyan, and he makes a crater, like, I don't know, probably like a 30-meter <laughs> diameter crater. Yeah. His house sinks. <laughs> yeah, and, like, Piccolo um, you know, knows he has been, he, he's out of training, so he needs to get back into it. So he's not going to tell him, like, hey, Piccolo's here. Yeah. It is, it is kind of weird that... Um, without training, he gets to where he gets it by the end of the movie. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I did notice, because this is after the Tournament of Power, he does that, there was a thing in Tournament of Power where it's like once he passes Super Saiyan, he doesn't have, like, an ultra mode, but he does have, like, some personal mode he's come up with as, like, peak human yeah. or something. It's, it's, yeah, I, I like, in, in Z, he has, like, ultimate gohan or something like mm. where he trained with the guys um yeah and it's that's like, like it, beyond it's a mode Super where he Saiyan. has you know like his hair stops glowing and it's just gohan with spiky hair but 
Yeah. He's got like a kind of subtle glow around him. Yeah. It, that's supposed to be like, oh, he, he got past the anger of being Super Saiyan, so now he's like a calm, he's calm. Yeah. And he's in control, but he's still super powerful. Yeah. Um, I think he does use that later. Yeah, he does it a couple times. You know, when he's in yeah. like the big fights at the end, you know, he'll yeah. level up to that level. Right. Um,. So yeah, Gohan shows up and uh, he basically starts wrecking shit until the gammas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the gammas like he has them. Start you know, he gets in their plane, has them flying back to the red ribbon thing, and once they pass through the hologram, he just like explodes the plane from the inside and crashes into the red. <laughs> that guy. That guy is dead. <laughs> yeah, no, Piccolo lives because he's Piccolo, but everyone else in that plane is dead. Dolph Lundgren is dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he just, like, um, blew the plane up from the inside, crashed into the ground. All the Red Ribbon guys are there. They can't do anything to stop him. And then the Gammas, you know, show up, and it's fighting against the Gammas. Yeah. Well, Piccolo is up on the ledge with, uh, up on the balcony with Pan. And he's like, okay, I need you to pretend you're in uh, extreme danger, because your dad needs to power up even more. He hasn't taken yeah. his glasses off so, yet. He's not powerful enough. So he, he, he like, puts... He like puts his arm on the scruff of her neck like he's holding her by the by the collar. Yeah, but you can see but his other hand is like <laughs> holding her feet like a platform. Yeah. He's actually being extremely gentle. Yeah. But he just to make it look like he's being mean. Um and then Gohan powers up again and he starts beating Gamma. Um and then a bunch of shit happens. Like there there's the fight with Gamma. Um, yeah, then I think Pan and Piccolo get involved in fighting the other Gamma. Yeah. Um. And also, they're trying to persuade the Gammas, because the Gammas have this, like, noble hero, superhero aspect to them that was programmed into them. And right. they haven't picked up on the Red Ribbons being a criminal empire yet. So they're trying to persuade them of that because it's kind of that classic superhero thing of a hero fighting another hero because they don't realize they're on the same side. Yeah. And, um, but in the, in the fight between, uh, Gamma 2 and Piccolo again, um, Piccolo powers up out of nowhere because, uh, oh, yeah, earlier. He wasn't, yeah, yeah, the earlier thing. Yeah. Where Earlier he, he, he did he goes, a Dragon Ball wish. Right. He he goes to Dende, who's the new Kami, and yeah. uh he's like, Can you do that unlock potential thing that happened on Namek? And uh to Gohan and Krillin. Dende's like, No, nah, I can't do that yet. No, I'm not o- old only enough. old men can do that. I'm not old yeah. enough to do that. But I can pour but, this juice on yeah. the Shenron statue and give it more coils and now it can do yeah. that. So I, I found out what the significance of that was. Okay. And um what it is is that when he when he when he pours that on the dragon, he basically makes it his dragon instead of Kami's dragon. Oh. Um so then when Piccolo asked Shenron for like the, the potential unlock boost, um and Shenron says, Yeah, I'll give you that, plus a little extra like what he's giving him is basically Kami's power back that he put into the Dragon Balls. 
Oh. And that yeah. that's why he turns orange, because he's got the power of the Dragon Balls. Okay. So, yeah, that's why he's orange Piccolo, and he's he's got that, like, orange shading, mm. because he's... He's he's a he's a Dragon Ball Namekian now or yeah. whatever. I mean, it was kind of funny when you know he's in the orange form, and then someone's like, "Oh, what's that new form called?" And he's like, I don't know if it has a name. Uh, just call it Orange Piccolo. Yeah, like I, <laughs> like I hate half-ass name, but I guess this is yeah. the universe where we have like Goku Blue, Super Saiyan Blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, what, what what do we call this blue hair form? Uh, blue. Okay. What what's what's the evil pink form? Rose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. So it's just new uh, super demon orange piccolo. He's, he he's just called orange piccolo. Yeah. He 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 just gets really wide. Yeah. He gets wide. <laughs> like his face gets more intense. Like more of a demon yeah. king piccolo looking face. Yeah. He. Yeah. I I. I like the design. I don't like the name, but it mm. was funny. Yeah, it's, because it's a very half-assed name, but it does kind of feel like like when it, they it, try to make a Super Saiyan form look more Saiyan monkey-ish, that this is like a more primal powered form. Yeah, it's 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 like a combination of like uh, Piccolo and like the dragon, I guess. Mm. Like he's just super wide. Um. And it is kind of a piccolo thing to just be like, uh, it's just orange. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't even realize I turned orange. I guess it's just called orange. Yeah. But, yeah, so he he did the Dragon Ball wish to get uh, his power unlocked and get orange piccolo. And then the dragon's like, I got two more wishes. And Piccolo's like, I don't need them. So Bulma <laughs> shows up and is like, can you make my butt tighter and my eyelashes a little longer? <laughs> Two millimeters longer. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, in the Broly movie, uh, Frieza came to Earth because he's like, I want to collect the Dragon Balls so I can be five centimeters taller. And then we have Bulma here doing the same shit with the Dragon Balls. Except she's also got, you know, crews running around the Earth collecting all the Dragon Balls, which, you know, keeps them out of the hands of the bad guys, but also she just uses them for cosmetic surgery sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the worst parts of Bulma, but I love it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's so funny then, as shit. Yeah. So he's fighting Gamma Two, and goes into this orange mode that was unlocked by the Wish. Yeah, and he. I mean, at at this point, he basically just shrugs off everything, mm. like. He is now the most powerful person on Earth since Goku and Vegeta are on the the God planet. Yeah, they're or off on Beerus' planet. Well, eating lots of ice cream, and Beerus is checking out Chi-Li, and Broly's yeah. learning what fighting looks like, because he's too uh, unhinged to be allowed to join in the fight. He might blow something up. Um yeah, and some and an ice cream bucket falls on Weiss's staff, and that's why they can't call anyone for help because he can't <laughs> see that his staff is beeping. I love Weiss in this movie too. Mm. He's, I mean, he's he's kind of always funny, but in this one, I think he's especially funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that. On their I, own I like fighting. 
it's it, it's it's weird uh, though when Vegeta beats Goku and he's like, I finally beat him, and it's like you really never lost a one on one fight <laughs> against mm. Goku. Like when you think about it, he never really lost a fight. Hmm. Not a one-on-one fight, because, um... Yeah, someone else ripped his tail off, wasn't it? Yeah, like, uh, on the, the the original fight, it was, it was like, him and Go like, it was like, Goku and Gohan and Krillin and Yajirobe. Yeah. Um, that all play a part in it. Um... And, like, the only other time they really fight against each other is, uh, during the Majin Buu, um, time, when he's evil. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Goku's just too much of a good sport, and so he's never crushed by being defeated, so Vegeta doesn't feel it. Like he actually won. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um... Anyway. Yeah, so, so yeah, so a big w- fight against the Gammas until the Gammas are persuaded that actually they've been working for the bad guys the whole time. Um, but then Magenta's like, I'm just gonna let uh, Cell Max free now, because there's these aliens crawling all over my compound. Yeah. Um, and that's where, like, all the, all the good funny and character moments kind of stop and then there's just a raid battle yeah 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 it's just you know the final you know 20 30 minute fight of dragon ball movie because that's how the movies always go it's a lot of you know fun character stuff and then a big fight yep just a raid battle where they all have to team up to fight the big bad yeah um yep oversized brainless cell this one is at least fun though because you get to see a lot of characters who you haven't seen. Um, I mean, it, like Goten and Trunks. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They and they and they 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 hit their growth spurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like um, young teenagers now, and the, they can still do the uh, Gotenks thing. But eh, it's a joke. Not very well. <laughs> yeah. No, they do it badly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I assume that's just, you know, the whole vibe around Gotenks is like, eh, this character was kind of a joke, so let's yeah. just make it even sillier. Yeah, he was he was never meant to be 100%. He, he's basically just like the... He's like the, the hyperbole, hy, hyperbolic version of a Saiyan. Like, mm. he's, so, he's so arrogant and childish and out there. Um, that he's he's comical instead of threatening. Mm. Um, even though he does he does basically help win the fight just by being a big bowling ball. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, uh, Doctor Hito did the whole Otacon thing of like, well, it's not interesting if I make an invincible giant super weapon. It's got to have a weak point. So he yeah. put a weak point of you can break through Cellmax's cranium if uh, you hit it hard enough. And that's the self-destruct switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's a, the, yeah, big smackdown fight that ends with 
you know, them reminding Piccolo, you can grow giant like you did back <laughs> in Dragon Ball. So he grows big and wraps himself all around uh, Cell Max so they can do kind of a mix of the Raditz fight with a special beam cannon. I guess that was a special beam right. cannon there, too. It's just it's Gohan doing the special beam cannon to try to kill the yeah. enemy who's being held down by the other hero. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so like who who is all there? It's um, the Gammas, Piccolo and Gohan, um, Android eighteen and Krillin. Yep. Um, and Gotenks, I think that's everybody. Yeah, and I mean Bulma's on the sidelines, and Pan right. was around. Pan learns to yeah. fly while escaping from the ground exploding. Oh yeah. Uh, and Gamma yes. two get Gamma two takes a lot of damage. And, uh, I mean, dies post-fight, but, uh, and Dr. Hito, they thought was dead, but it turns out he's not, and they have to go protect him. Yeah, um, Gamma 2 does a, a sacrifice play. He's like, I can hit hard enough to, to bash his head open if I basically go from orbit yeah. and just dive bomb into him at full speed. Um... Like a superhero, he does the Iron Man yeah. thing, except he doesn't survive. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the first time. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So he he like weak. He weakens Cell Max, and then Piccolo and Gohan have this moment. Um, where it's like, yeah, like you said, it's the opposite of the Raditz fight where Piccolo has to hold him down. Yeah. Um, while Gohan charges up. Like, Piccolo specifically says, like, use a Kamehameha or something. Yeah. And yeah, he does a special like, beam cannon. Like, where did you learn that? Oh, I've just been practicing. Yeah. And Pic- Piccolo's... I love how Piccolo just says, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and Gohan turns into whatever new form they call it. Um, where his hair is super long it's like super saiyan 3 except it's not mm. um superhuman 3 <laughs> yeah uh, he's got like red eyes mm. um i think they call it gohan beast or something i don't yeah. i don't know yeah I, we'll I see when like, the next budokai game comes out yeah i guess, i guess he's i guess the the idea behind it is he's super angry but he's not like blindingly angry i don't know mm. there, there's there's an explanation behind all these transformations but i don't know them yeah um but yeah he does the special beam cannon kill cell he falls self falls into a ravine everybody escapes the explosion and then gamma 2 turns to dust and they're like oh he died um and then it's a happy ending yeah um, yeah, uh, really, Gohan has really to go find it. his glasses that he threw away during the fight. Yeah, and Pickle is like, "Wait, <laughs> so Gohan Super Saiyan fixes your eyes?" That that's awesome. <laughs> I, I never thought of it because, like, I I did notice at some point after he turned Super Saiyan, he threw away his glasses. But I thought he was like, "Fuck it, I don't need these; they're in my way." Yeah, I mean, I thought it was um, like a Clark Kent thing where he never needed the glasses, but apparently he does. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I I love this movie. It was it was funny. The action was pretty good. Not not as good as Broly, but that's fine. Mm. But it's got more. Com- um, I mean, Broly had a little bit of comedy, but there's a lot more comedy in superhero. Yeah, I I I think that was the point. Is like you'll you'll get like the comedy of Dragon Ball, but also um, you'll you'll get like all the action we've been working towards and it won't have anything to do with Goku and Vegeta for once. Yeah, I mean having a lot of Piccolo and Gohan is more in line with like the Z movies. Yeah. Where Piccolo did a lot where, more than he did in the the show. Where Piccolo just shows up out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> and saves Gohan from whatever big bad is coming, which happens in like half the DBZ movies. Yeah, so I guess it's even yeah. There's even more Piccolo than there is in the Z movies because he's like the main character and Gohan's the yeah. secondary character. Yeah, Piccolo is the main character who does everything. Gohan just shows up at the end. Yeah, well, Piccolo um, intent has to go find I, Goku and drag or Gohan and drag him into this fight because yeah. he knows he can't take out the Gammas by himself. He had enough trouble just with Gamma Two. I, I like after Bulma makes the wishes. Uh, <laughs> they're like, wait, we could have wished <laughs> Goku and Vegeta here yeah. to help us with the fight. And they, and Piccolo's like, what, you didn't think of that? And Bulma's like, well, you didn't think of it either. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how big the wishes... They've done some pretty big wishes. You could just wish the red ribbons and the cell max away, probably. Well, there, there's the... They, they have that thing where it's like... I guess you could just wish that Red Ribbon was gone, but it's like, oh, your pride won't allow that, will it? Mm. <laughs> they use that excuse, yeah. which is a, a terrible excuse. Yeah, but... it's like, well, you could fix the problem with this wish, but I guess you just want to get strong enough to punch the problem. You could save everybody's lives. Like, but or what you, you want can... to do is turn people into dinosaurs. <laughs> Dinosaurs exist in Dragon Ball Z, so that's yeah. not a horrible option. Yeah, when are we going to get a dragon vill- or a, a dinosaur villain who wants to turn people into dinosaurs? I wouldn't be surprised if that was a thing in Dragon Ball that I just don't remember. Mm. Yeah, the dinosaurs showed up more in Dragon Ball than they do in like Z onward. Yeah. Dinosaurs and animal people. Yeah. Furries, as we call them. Yeah. Now, in from Z onward, it starts getting into sci-fi, and so if you're going to have weird creatures, you can put them in space. They right. don't have to be in parts of the Earth. And all the weird creatures that come from space, Australia. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I love this movie. Like, it, like I, I said in the media box, like, Puss in Boots is a way better movie, but I like this one more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Puss in Boots twice since it came out. Um, Super, I just got this week, and I've seen it once. And I thought, oh, that was good. Um, But then, like, the soundtrack was stuck in my head after, so I might watch it again. Yeah. I was planning on watching it again yesterday. Um, But I had to work again. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know. Yeah, I mean, Fuck I think like me, the, I guess. the the stuff it does with like superheroes and superhero tropes does feel very like the Japanese style of superhero. You know, the the kind of Sentai yeah. like 
posing and you know standing like stand up and point at the villain and do a big proclamation about how they're evil and how you're going to defeat them in the name of justice um which i guess yeah. it's kind of like you know silver agey for like american comic superheroes that that kind of um you know broader style of superheroing but you know it yeah since it's from a japanese thing they've you know developed the whole the whole sentai legacy of that kind of superhero story yeah yeah it, it's it's kind of a mixture but yeah that they're, they're very it, it's still very japanese yeah i mean and, like they do a lot you know they have the spandex they have the silly poses and they even have like hologram projectors built into the yeah. robots so that their big sound effect words appear when they do a big punch yeah, yeah. piccolo's like why can i see the sound of their punches yeah <laughs> yeah like at first it seems like oh this is just a stylistic thing and then piccolo says he can see it and then it turns out it, it that wasn't even just a meta joke that he literally can see it it's a hologram that yeah this you know nerdy little scientist decided to put into his superhero robots yeah, I love that. Oh, and um, the Gammas can't actually, like, fire energy blasts. They have to use their weapons. Yeah, they got, like, little shark pistol things. Yeah. Which is neat. It's like a squirt gun, but it shoots energy blasts. Right. It's like a 1950s ray gun-looking yeah. thing. Yeah, because their uniforms are, like, kind of soldier-ish. It's, like, halfway between, yeah. like, a Power Ranger and a... World War Two soldier ish maybe. They they remind me of um Android Zero Zero Nine. Yeah, I mean I guess it is kinda of like a Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers kinda yeah. sci fi unif button up uniform that like Yeah, it's like a, a World War Two pilot's jacket. Yeah. Um look with with a cape. Like and... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very like actually golden age not even silver age yeah um comic but yeah i like it i'm gonna watch it again <laughs> a third time because you've been watching it this whole time yeah <laughs> i guess it's not the how same do you think i've been up. remembering everything that happens yeah <laughs> it's actually done now because uh, i started watching like when we started recording um, it's only... yeah it's 90 minutes or uh, like 100 minutes ish i think yeah, about a hundred. Yeah, so an hour forty. Um. Yep. Um. I I watched two other things. One that I told you about earlier, and one that I just remembered I watched. Mm. <laughs> um. So I'm just gonna go through a Knight's Tale because it's old and I've seen it yeah. a million times already. I've um, seen it once a few years ago because it was one Kirstein recommended. Right. I still I, have a DVD in, around here somewhere. I I love A Knight's Tale. It, it's one of those movies that used to come on FX like once a month. And I would just sit down and watch it every time, even though with commercials it was like three hours. Yeah, I mean, even without commercials, it's, it's, it's fun, but it's long. It's like over yeah, two hours. It's, it's like two hours, 15 minutes, something right, like yeah. that. 
and I which think for a movie it, it feels long from the early two thousands. I feel like it felt long because of the way it's paced. It's like there's a lot of stuff happening, and then you get to a point, and then it's like, okay, this should be wrapping up now, but it isn't yet, and then it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, because there's like the beginning part where they're like figuring out how to make this plan work, where he poses as a knight and uh, you know joins the tournament so they can earn money. Um, and there's the middle part, which is mostly like the romance slash rivalry part. Um. And you, you think that would be coming to a head, but mm. then, like, the, the rival guy has to go to war, so he's out of the movie f- until the end. Um, and it it's mostly just romance and action scenes set to 80s rock songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the main thing people remember it for, is the, uh, like, a chronological or whatever term you use the music not of the era translated yeah. into the era yeah because it's it's like a period piece um combined with the jukebox musical but it's not actually musical <laughs> yeah it's like a sports movie that also yeah. uses music from modern times placed into a medieval yeah. time but none of the characters are like there's no time travel of like person from modern day goes back to the past it's just yeah people in medieval times but also they're playing modern music yeah but like at the at the beginning when the the knight they're serving shits himself to death um and he's like on the horse slowly walking up to um where they're going to be jousting um and all the all the crowd is uh uh singing along to we will rock you by queen mm. <laughs> It's like, oh, this is the kind of movie that this is, and it's awesome, and it is. It's awesome for the whole two-hour runtime, except maybe a little bit at the middle, where they make um, the main character go out of character just to set up a conflict with um, his love interest. Mm. But that's fine. That's one nitpick out of the whole movie. The the rest of it, I I just love. <laughs> I love. Um, What's his name? Vision. Um, oh, um, Paul Bettany. Yeah. Um, he plays Jeffrey Chaucer. Mm. <laughs> and you see his ass. I've seen Vision's ass. So there you go. It's not America's there's a, ass. There's an accomplishment. No, it is not. It, it's a very unimpressive British ass. <laughs> America's ass is fuller and firmer. It's it's an all-natural uh, ass with no steroids. <laughs> yeah. No padding. Um, you can also see America's ass in not another teen movie. <laughs> um, banana included. <laughs> um, where was I going with this? Um... um. Well, so there's Knight's Tale and then uh, the other movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, one more thing about Knight's Tale. Alan Tudyk. Um, he's great in everything. Mm. 
He's he was like in everything in the early two thousands, and then he was in almost nothing. But he's he's great in everything. Yeah, he's in a lot of animated things now. Yeah, and I guess some yeah. like other live action. I think he was the villain in the first season of Doom Patrol too. Huh. That's neat. I still need to watch that, but also uh, I don't want to pay for HBO Max. <laughs> well, it's on DVD, and I'm sure yeah. rental whatever's youtube's i might i wonder if you can rent seasons for a not outrageous price Mm. digitally yeah like two dollars an episode adds up quick but yeah if they let you rent a season or just Um, give it time hbo seems like they're going to be farming out a lot of their stuff to other services anyway so maybe it'll show up on something else yeah anyway a Knight's Tale is awesome. Go watch it. Mm-hmm. It has jousting, but it's it's not uh, jet plane jousting like Ace Combat Zero, but it's still cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I also watched Glass Onion, um, semicolon, a, a Knives Out mystery. <laughs> yep. Yep, because they don't trust audiences to know that Thing was from the same series as another Thing. Which is stupid as shit. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I mean, if anything, I, I know maybe people who saw Knives Out don't remember the name Benoit Blanc, but like naming a series after the detective would probably be a better long-term fit for it than you know calling it a you know yeah, like they... retroactively call Knives Out you know uh, not even necessarily in the title, but like have some like I don't know franchise collection thing that's like Benoit Blanc mysteries. Knives Out, Glass Onion, um, yeah, like they do with like Hercule Poirot and uh, yeah, you know, the other Agatha Christie just, things. Yeah, just like when you have a trailer for a movie, just say Benoit Blanc in yeah, um, I don't know Turpentine train car. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> could happen. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, Glass Onion is more Knives Out, not quite as good, but mm. still really good. Um, yeah, another celebrity ensemble whodunit. Yeah. Um, I don't. I haven't seen it yet. I'm planning to see it when I can see it without having to sign up for Netflix. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything huge. All I'm going to say is the cast is amazing. Um um, Ed Norton basically plays Elon Musk, um, and the the twists are like the twists are intentionally disappointing. Mm. Um, oh, so except it's like Last one. Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It has a lot of the same problems Last Jedi has, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna, we're gonna subvert these uh, mystery tropes, yeah. and it's like, yeah, but did you need to though? Mm. I mean, I um, guess that's because like Knives Out, you know, kind of did that, but it was in, you know, the like, like they kind of start off doing the Columbo thing of like, well, a murder's been committed, and you just saw who did it, so now it's a thriller. 
But then at the end, it's like, oh, but actually there was a mystery on top of this mystery. And actually there's another guy who was uh, maybe more responsible for this murder. So, it, yeah, like, subver- and I, I mean, because that one, does, yeah, so it does like the double subversion, but does it in a way that builds on the like, oh, I wasn't expecting them to reveal that that soon. Oh, I wasn't expecting them to reveal that actually that reveal wasn't a complete reveal. Where right. with Last Jedi, it's like, oh, I wasn't expecting him to kill the bad guy halfway through. Oh, I <laughs> guess we're just left with this dingus now. Okay. He's yelling at a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Glass Onion is... Glass Onion is more like... Oh, I didn't... I didn't expect... I didn't expect that the, the whole setup to this was wrong. Mm. Um... And that um, everybody everybody had more information than the audience, but it's not the kind of information that you would expect. Okay. <laughs> it's like the the plot the plot basically changes a third of the way through the movie, and it, and it becomes a completely different game. Um, okay, like they 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 set up the game. Well, like I'll, I'll give you the basic premise. They. They set up the game like this Elon Musk, Ed Norton, um, is, uh... I think I, from what I heard, he has, like, an island, and he's got a big statue of a glass onion, and he's got, like, a mansion or something. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's, he's got a private island with a big glass onion mansion, um, and he invites all his friends from before he was rich and famous, um to like this yearly retreat that they do and he's doing a murder mystery um where um like he has all this elaborate setup where one of one of his guests is going to murder him and everybody has to figure out how to uh figure out who it who it was how they did it Mm. blah 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 um and to to figure out like to the invitation was like this big puzzle cube that everybody has to figure out how to solve mm. to get there solve the box and then uh, fight off the centibytes that come out of it yeah exactly um one of them gets uh nails pinned in their head that's how they die Ben <laughs> um, blank shows up in like full bondage gear when he arrives he's <laughs> seen sights that you can't even imagine no. That's a gay stereotype. They can't do that. <laughs> is he gay? I don't know. Um, is, is any of that established? Or? I, I thought that was the implication. Um, Maybe. He's definitely living with a dude. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, because in I, Knives Out, we don't really see anything of his personal life. He's just a detective who's brought in by someone even he doesn't know who hired him. Just somebody hired him to come investigate a murder that is about to happen. I mean, they don't explicitly say whether the dude he's living with is, like, a romantic um, relationship or not, but mm. I think it's implied. Okay. Um, but, okay, so everybody solves their puzzle cubes and they all come to Clue Island. Yeah, like, they, they all meet in Greece, um, and um, they're all like, Benoit Blanc, why are you here? Uh <laughs> Because he's not part of the inner circle, mm. um, 
And then another woman shows up and everyone who is part of the inner circle is like, why are you here? And you find out she's an outcast from the group. Mm. Um, and part of the mystery surrounds that um, because she was a business partner that um, I, f- I forget his name. I'm just going to call him Elon Musk. Yeah. He was a, he was a, she was a business partner that Musk basically screwed over um, for reasons that you will find out later in the movie. Mm. Um, yeah, so they, they have this whole setup, and what you expect to happen is that somebody actually kills him. Yeah, um, the, the usual the, way that kind of story goes. Yeah. And the way they subvert that one is that, like, before the murder even happens, Benoit Blanc solves it. He's like, it's this one. Yeah, this is the one uh, you're setting up to kill you, like, I can tell from all these yeah. clues. Yeah, here's here's the five clues that set it up. There's the suit of armor with the crossbow aimed suspiciously at your chair. Mm. Um, and then, like, two seconds after he finishes explaining it, uh, <laughs> the, the mechanism goes off, the crossbow gets shot at his drink, and <laughs> there, there's, like, a blood packet mm. that squirts out of him. But his face is just, like... <laughs> like oh, you in ruined shock it. surprise like like yeah like what the fuck you ruined my party yeah. <laughs> um and after that is where like the actual mystery unfolds mm. and you you find out previous information um, yeah, so it's really about of, the person who's at the party who wasn't supposed to be there and also the, the detective who wasn't supposed to be there i guess yes um minor i mean it's not really minor um yeah I'll, I'll i'll give you this one twist um they're working together um okay blanc and uh the other guests are working together yeah yeah i mean to i was to gonna guess that she mystery. had hired him in order to solve something that she needed solved yeah there's there's the one spoiler that i'll i'll give you um Oh, and all the guests are just, you know, they're rich assholes. Yeah. <laughs> just horrible people. Um, especially Dave Bautista. Mm. But, anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's great. It, like I said, it's not quite as good as the first one. It's kind of up its own ass in the same way um, Last Jedi was. But um, I still really liked it. Mm. I'd watch it again, even though I know all the twists. Yeah, I mean, um, that that's a sign that it works as a movie, because if it only works on yeah. the first viewing, it's probably not that good. Yeah. Uh, like I, I mean, just the, the acting by itself is just so good that I could watch it again, much like Knives Out. Um, I might actually go back and watch Knives Out again mm. before my Netflix subscription expires. Mm. Before or after watching Dragon Ball Super again? Mm, well, I, I bought Superhero, so okay. I can watch that whenever I want. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you have a TV and a laptop, you can watch both at once. Yeah. I do sp- I do explicitly have a TV and a laptop, you know this? Yeah. <laughs> because I told you about my setup before we started recording. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can watch both. You can um, be like the guy from the second Matrix movie and just get a bunch of screens and watch everything at once. Yeah. I see a woman in a red dress. Oh, she took it off hot. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, okay, that, that was, that's the that porn hub screen. <laughs> <laughs> What's she going to do with that cucumber? <laughs> Oh, the pizza man's here again? Okay. Oh, no, it's a plumber this time. I got confused. It's a plumber with a pizza. Oh, wait, it's actually your stepbrother. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're related. Okay. Oh, wait, they're related, but they're not actually related by blood. Mm. Oh, wait, it was anime the whole time. <laughs> um, the plot thickens. Oh, oh, boy, the plot does thicken. <laughs> <laughs> that plot is very thick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would be funny if all the steps in Blood Corn was just because people were like, oh, this isn't complicated enough. I need some extra twists on uh, the story here so I can I'm... really get interested. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the, the psychology behind it? Is like, oh. I thought uh, it was just like a forbidden like, kink kind of thing. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed yeah, to like... like this, but it's happening and I like it. Right, I mean that—that's—that's that's the thing. It's like, and it's a thing you can people... slap on like any video because who knows if yeah. these people are related or not? Especially when you say step, because <laughs> that means that they're not by yeah. blood, so they can look like anything. They don't even have to look similar. Right. You can have interracial and um, step siblings. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Porn is weird. Yeah. That's why I usually don't watch it. Mm. Yeah, you see, I'm better than you. I don't watch porn. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a hard stance against porn. <laughs> no, porn is fine. Uh, I'm just not that into it. Oh, just not the watching kind. It's got to be like audio only. <laughs> just, just some money. <laughs> Oops, all listen. <laughs> Listening with a descriptive video service on there. <laughs> I think I can't remember, there was some describes it was a porn. porn video. I can't remember what it was, but like years ago, yeah, it had like descriptive audio on it. It was like explaining <laughs> everything that people were doing. In brackets, wet slap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we're over two hours, and I need whenever to we hit two hours, we just. Yeah, we just go crazy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I gotta pack up to go play cards. I built a new squirrel deck. I didn't intend to make it strong, nice. but it's so easy. Like Chatterfang is just naturally busted. Like I made the deck is just squirrel like girl. Yeah, no, it's it's a squirrel who says, uh, "Let's see. For one thing, he's got forest walk, which means if I can tutor out Yavamaya, which is a land that turns all lands into forests, he's unblockable." Um, but also, damn, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Now, this, so his Sorry. second ability. I was waiting. Yeah, his second ability is that whenever I make one or more tokens, I also make that many squirrels. So if I make something that makes like ten plant tokens, now I've also got ten squirrel tokens. Um, and then his third ability is like I can sacrifice a number of squirrels to give a thing plus x minus x. Um, and that a way I could have built the deck is around like sacrifice and that kind of. Stuff I figured I've already got decks that do that, and it's not that interesting. So I'm just gonna make it like I make them 
just a fuck ton of squirrels and I attack with them. And the deck is squirrel swarm. The deck is. I mean, you've already used the pun, but it's nuts. Um, with how <laughs> just how quickly it goes off of like I and now I've got all these squirrels and I'm gonna make them all this much bigger and then I'm just gonna attack with all of them at once. Squirrel aggro yeah. is my, my favorite phrase. Yeah, it's also insane when I get a this prosperous innkeeper is a card. Come on, Jay. I can't use the same pun every time. Yes, you can. Okay. You have to. Okay, well, it is nuts when I get out Prosperous Innkeeper, <laughs> who makes a treasure token, which also makes a squirrel token, and then whenever a creature enters, I gain a life, which means every token I make, every one of these squirrel tokens is going to gain me a life. Like, I played a game where I rebounded from having one life point left up to 70, from having this guy <laughs> gain me life off of It's like, okay, I'm going to have my Scoot Swarm... Now that I've got six lands, it doubles my number of scoot swarms, so I'm going to go from eight scoot swarms to 16. When I make eight new ones, I also make eight squirrels. These, So I've got 16 creatures entering. I'm going to gain 16 life. It's, it, it's nuts. The whole thing. This sounds like a prosy D video. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's what the... This is the kind of deck that cow video was making fun of. Except, you know, because of the way magic works, you don't need to, like, the cow thing kind of also makes fun of, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! has, like, very specific <laughs> narrow archetypes that you do this insane bullshit with. Whereas with magic, it. it's just mechanical synergies. So sometimes there's tribal things, but mostly it's, you know, just, I have a thing that gains life when creatures enter, I have a thing that makes a lot of creatures enter, and now I'm gaining a lot of life and I'm making a lot of creatures and, you know, if I could throw another layer on there and have something that makes creatures when I gain life, suddenly it goes infinite. <laughs> I, I love dumb bullshit like that. I mean, there is really one do. card I need to put in there because, it, well, I have a two-card combo that does make infinite squirrels already. Which is, uh, there's an elf who, whenever a creature enters, you put a 1-1 one, one counter on a, on a thing. And there is a tree that says whenever you put a 1-1 counter on this tree, you make a squirrel. So I make a squirrel, put a 1-1 counter on the tree. I make a squirrel off of that. When the squirrel enters, I put a 1-1 counter on the tree. When the 1-1 counter is put on the tree, I make a squirrel back and forth until I decide to put the 1-1 counter on something else. But also, if I have my commander out now, I'm making two squirrels every time, so I get to put two 1-1 one -one counters on things. So I'm pumping a thing up while I'm also producing two more squirrels for every one of these counters I stick on the tree. So I end up with a bunch of huge things and also an infinite number of squirrels. Nice. And there's another combo with a card that I, I love don't the have phrase, an, an infinite number of squirrels, by the way. Yeah. That is... Uh... That one sparks joy. Yeah, there's, there's another combo where there is a pirate who makes a treasure whenever a creature dies. Treasure is an artifact that you can sacrifice to create a mana of any color. The commander's third ability, that pay a black, sacrifice X squirrels. I pay the treasure, sacrifice one squirrel, make a treasure, which also comes with a squirrel. Sack the treasure, sack the squirrel, <laughs> make a treasure, make a squirrel. Um... So I get to just do that ability an infinite number of times and kill every creature my <laughs> opponents have. Um, and I can do that instant speed any time. You know, somebody, I, it gets to the opponent's turn, they play a creature. In response, I'm going to sack this squirrel, 
give your thing a minus one, make a treasure, make a squirrel, sack the squirrel, sack the treasure, and just keep doing it. And you can't keep anything around because it just dies as soon as I'm allowed to kill it. You know, you've said you've said a lot of uh, very title worthy things in the past ten minutes, but I think sack the treasure, sack the squirrel is my favorite. Okay. Um, I will type that out I mean, now because yeah, we do need to be wrapping up. I got like ten minutes before I would usually be out the door. Yeah. Uh, uh, stay funky. I wish I could come up with something better, but we we just ended on like twenty minutes of jokes, so yeah, I think we're okay. Yep. You know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I I apologize. Mm. That's the worst way to end a podcast. (laughs)